Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, and with uh, the college football regular season all wrapped up and uh, us in the desperate need for some sort of content, and also because we uh, just like talking about college football on the podcast, we're doing a Big Ten wrap-up edition of the pod, and we're Doing that with our pal Patrick Mayhorn of Buckeye Sports Bulletin and Flipping the Field, the only college football podcast that actually talks about football games. Patrick, how you doing? I'm doing well, and I think everybody knows this about me, that I love the Big Ten. I love everything about the Big Ten, <laughs> the teams in the Big Ten. And so it just makes sense that that you would have me back on. We, we previewed the Big Ten uh, back before the season, and now we're ready to talk about our entirely correct opinions. I don't think we missed on a single one. Uh, we even got the records perfect, and so <laughs> we're uh, we're excited to dive back in and, and basically just say the same stuff we said, you know, th- four months ago when we were right about the Big Ten. That that is correct. Uh, the it, I was actually looking back through um, the the question that we had for every single team, and my favorite one of the bunch. Uh, is pr- well, there are probably two that I thought were my favorite ones of the bunch. One was Indiana. Uh, yeah. Now that they can, can't sneak up on people, can they be as successful as last year? <laughs> no. Uh, no. And then Ohio, <laughs> Ohio State, does Quinn Ewers take over eventually? No. <laughs> Tough. Tough luck. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go worst to first in the Big Ten West and then the Big Ten East. We're going to give each team the amount of – Time that they deserve uh, because of how much we respect them. Uh, the one exception will probably be Penn State because, let's face it, Penn State probably deserves only about mm, a minute or so in one of these. But we got to pander to the people. Um, before we do that, I, I think I'll kind of introduce the conference and we'll just give our brief 10,000-foot overview of it as this season went, just what our general thoughts are on it. And, Patrick, since we're starting with the Big Ten West um, – what what's its deal? Like why why does it continue to exist in this fashion? There 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 has to be a better way. Yeah, I mean, there's no good reason for it to continue to exist. There's no compelling answer that says like, oh, there needs to be a league where there's four, six, and three teams, and the somehow worst of the bunch is the one that goes and represents it in the conference title game. Um, there's no benefit to doing that. There's no real reason i think that you could argue for doing that it's just the way that they do it and so it's it's what we're stuck with but i i don't think that there is any real justification for continuing to subject the viewing public or really the big 10 west or the big 10 east to this because i I don't think that the big 10 east deserves this i don't think that it deserves to be affiliated with these guys um that the West finished with a single ranked team is astonishing. It is a modern miracle. It is a testament to how little the voters actually watch football. Um, but this is a this is a disgusting division. It is devoid of anything interesting, and it should be firebombed immediately. Honestly, if we just cut all of these teams from the league entirely, we wouldn't lose anything. This is yeah. meaningless football. Yeah, if you go by SP plus. Three of the top four teams in SP Plus in the Big Ten are in the Big Ten East, and then Wisconsin just slid in there, and Wisconsin started Graham Mertz at quarterback, so we can have questions about their overall seriousness. I, I actually have one friend who raised the point, and like, I do think this probably is correct, that who are the Big Ten's marquee teams? They are every year Ohio State, every year Michigan, and then depending on the year, Penn State, Michigan State, and then like... 
maybe Wisconsin, maybe Iowa once every five years or something, or Northwestern once every five years, or whatever. So basically, the justification is it makes it gives you the benefit of saying we have a conference championship game, but it also doesn't give you a serious conference championship game. The Big Ten East is eight and zero in the Big Ten championship game since its inception. So like, like that's the justification. But you, we'll we'll start by diving in. And we'll start with Northwestern, a team that this is going to take 10 seconds to talk about them. Northwestern went 3-9 and nine on the year, 1-8 and eight in Big Ten play, 107th in SP+, plus, 118th offensively, 69th defensively, 129th in special teams. Um, they don't have any quarterbacks. Uh, they can't throw the ball at all. And uh, next year they'll win five games the year after eight and the year after 10. Yeah, I think pretty much they, they uh, it seems like kind of missed on their defensive coordinator hire, at least from what I have gathered. Mike Bajakian on offense has not been the guy and continues to not be the guy. Um, no quarterback play, like you said. I don't mind Evan Hull. They they, they seem to always mm-hmm. just have this guy at running back. Um, Andrew Clare as well wasn't, wasn't terrible, but Evan Hall was kind of the guy for them. Um, it was too bad that Cameron Porter didn't get to play. He had a, you know, preseason injury i don't think it would have changed a whole lot but yeah these guys were big time stinky they they didn't even have the thing that they usually have which is good linebacker play they had awful really bad linebacker play um and there was nothing here there was nothing here worth watching or looking at they were really really bad yeah and i'm i'm pulling up their schedule right now their wins were indiana indiana state ohio and rutgers uh and then that's the other thing like they got whooped in every single Big Ten game that they played, with one exception, which was they lost to Iowa by five. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, lost to a Duke team that lost to Charlotte. Like, just, just a mess, a disaster, a waste, all those sorts of things. Uh, let's move on to the funniest team in the Big Ten, which is the mm-hmm. Nebraska Cornhuskers. Three and nine on the year, one and eight in conference play. 37th in SP+, 33rd offensively, 28th defensively, 127th in special teams. They beat Fordham and Buffalo. They whooped the hell out of Northwestern, and then they lost every other game they played. But because they lost every game by, like, one score, and because they beat Northwestern 56-7, they ended with a perfect zero-point differential in Big Ten play. Uh, I think you probably agree with me, Patrick. If Scott Frost had a degree from any other school in the country, he's probably not the coach next year. Yeah, I would assume. I, I do think it is funny now to look at what happened in this coaching cycle and to imagine Nebraska in it because— Oh, God. What do you, what do, you do? I guess you can get Matt Campbell and go 3-9 in a different way, but— <laughs> I I don't know what the play is there. If you're Nebraska, I think that that would have been very you know very funny. Like uh, just just in general to see Nebraska trying to operate against these actual powers. Um, yeah, the, these guys. I I think there's <laughs> as funny as it is to say about a team that went three and nine, and and I'm not the first one to say this. I think they might be one of the better teams in the West. Like just looking yeah. at the West, I I think they're certainly better than Iowa, which is the team that just represented the West. They just didn't beat them or anybody um <laughs> and, and like that's you know that's a pretty big flaw to have but it's such a funny flaw because it it really i don't think was correlated with i don't think it correlated with talent i don't think it correlated with ability on the team i think it was entirely a result of scott frost is a fucking moron he's a bad coach like he he is 
he does dumb things on purpose at the end of games so that his team loses. He's a bad man. He is a he is a morally wrong person, and I think that he should be sent to prison. <laughs> so you mentioned that Iowa game. I you probably memory hold this because you're a normal person. Nebraska was up twenty-one to nine entering the fourth quarter of that football game, and then Iowa outscored them nineteen to nothing in that final yeah. frame. And like you look at this team. They're going to lose, I think, one – they're guaranteed to lose, I'll say, uh, just through eligibility. Uh, Adrian Martinez has already announced he's entering the transfer portal. Logan Smothers played for them a little bit this year, so like it's not like there's this insane change there. But I think they're only supposed to – they only – if everyone comes back and one other dude leaves on offense and then two or three dudes on defense. So like, I think you can make the case, Patrick, that on one hand – it's not crazy to imagine this Nebraska team being pretty good next year. Eight, nine win team. But on the other, you are also, you are saying they are doing that with Scott Frost as their head football coach. And like, I just have major reservations about his ability to break through the ceiling that he puts on this team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think if Dan Mullen is the head coach, they're 10 and two next year. Yeah. I don't think I'm kidding about that. I think that if, pretty much anyone else is the head coach here, then they are perfectly fine to potentially very good next year, depending on who they get at quarterback. Cause I, I don't imagine that Logan's mother's is the guy um, just based on, you know, looking at him and reading his <laughs> name. Um, that doesn't seem right. My, uh, Logan's my, mother's my, is not a, is not a good quarterback name. I hate to tell you. His, his, his last um, name sounds like a jam. Yeah. And that's just not what you want. That's not what you want from your, from your starting <laughs> quarterback. And I, I do think that like, any kind of coach who is able to do this would be perfectly fine with these teams. And I think Scott Frost, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I think he's going to be perfectly fine when he goes back to the G5 or, or wherever else he goes. I just don't think he can do this. I don't think he's built to, to handle this. And so Nebraska, the entire season looked like a team that had a coach who was, you know, being shot at on the sidelines. Like he, he was, he was terrified of everything that was happening in every one of these games. And I don't know why a team wouldn't reflect that. If your head coach is very yeah. obviously mortified about what's going on, you are also going to be that on the field. And so it's just like, yeah, these these guys, it's a very sad story. Nebraska 2021 is very sad, but also um, I don't imagine even with talent returning that it's going to get better because the only issue these guys have beyond like their quarterback kind of wasn't very good but also sort of was, is that their coach doesn't know how to win football games in this conference, like in, in any meaningful way. He just can't do it. He's afraid of it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it's weird because Nebraska has been very unserious for a very long time, but it's also one of the biggest jobs in college football and one of the ones where like the expectations of reality are probably more out of whack there than maybe anywhere else in the country. So like, listen, I'm just going to say six magic words and we will move on. Oregon yep. head football coach Scott Frost. Mm. That was six words. Okay, something to think about. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're. I do. They are probably going to do the Chip Kelly retread, and that would be very funny. But neither here nor there. Uh, moving on, Illinois fighting Illini five and seven on the year, four and five in conference play, sixty fifth in SP plus, ninety sixth offensively, thirty third defensively, first in the nation in special teams. Uh, funny enough, mm -hmm. they, they they brought must have brought Ron Zook back under our noses without any of us knowing it. Uh, they were able to beat Nebraska. 
Uh, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Penn State in the worst football game of all time. Also picked up an out-of-conference win against Charlotte. Uh, picked up losses against UTSA, Virginia, Maryland, Purdue, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Iowa. Uh, Patrick, I, I, I'm not just saying this because they beat Penn State, but the times that I watched them, I think that outside of just absolutely wretched, like morally reprehensible quarterback play, it does seem like this team is a little bit farther ahead of schedule in the whole Burt Ball thing. Uh, really stout on defense, a talented rushing attack that's going to be sticking around for a while than I anticipated they were going to be coming into this season. Yeah, I, I think that I said this in the off season, and then I wasn't, I don't think I was lambasted for it, but I do think that people sort of disagreed. Um, Brett Bielham is a good football coach, yeah. just generally. Speaking, he's a good football coach. Uh, he's especially good in the Big Ten West where he can just do this. I think they're going to just do this. I think they're going to be perfectly fine at it. I think they're probably going to be like eight and four next year. They do need to get a quarterback that isn't Brandon Peters. Just as a general rule of thumb, you should have a quarterback <laughs> that isn't Brandon Peters. But I think Chase Brown is good. I think that that offensive line was pretty good. The defense was excellent for, for the you know situations it was put in they were what six points from beating auburn four or from from beating rutgers four from beating purdue um that's you know if they if they flip those games they're seven and five and they're staring down a bowl game and uh, i mean hell they would have been <laughs> they would have been competing for the big 10 west title um i don't know yeah. what the type would have been they wouldn't have won it but they would have been one of those teams yeah, that was yeah. up and so, like, I, I I think that they have a lot of the, the core pieces that they need. Uh, go and grab a quarterback from the transfer portal or just put Marquez Beeson back there, who was already – or uh, Isaiah Williams back there, who was already a quarterback and is good at it. You could just use him. He's good. Um, you're just going to run the ball anyway. You might as well just have him back there. But I think that they are a quarterback away from being, like, eight and four. They're, they're a quarterback away from being Wisconsin, essentially, and that's yeah, that's fine. I think that's very good. Yeah, I mean, between losing to Maryland by three, Purdue by four, and Rutgers by six, this team is 13 total points away from being an eight and four football team. I mean, and they you, would have, yeah, I believe that record, they would have won the West. They would have had two conference losses, so they would have won the West. <sighs> well, there's, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that big morass of just, hideous teams in the middle of the Big Ten West. I mean, yeah. I mean, they would have taken one off of Purdue, so that would have knocked Purdue out. I, I think yeah. it would have it would have come down to them and Iowa, uh, I, I believe. So it, it, it would have gone to Iowa in that situation. But also, I think we could assume in this case that Iowa probably doesn't get extremely lucky in winning 10 games uh, in this yeah. in this fun new world that we have created. And then Illinois, I think a, I think a two-loss West team absolutely usually wins the division. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing, you know, kind of just going back to what we said about uh, being ahead of schedule is that, like, you mentioned it really well. In the Big Ten West, you can play the way Brett Bielma wants to play. I mean, Brett Bielma is probably a pretty big reason why a lot of teams in the West play physical man ball the way that they like to do that. And they it's usually something that takes a little while. You need to have the right offensive lineman, the right defensive lineman, the right running backs, the right all these things. And the fact that they didn't win three games, the fact that they were not a three and nine football team. I mean, you're absolutely right about Brett Bielema being a good football coach. But the other thing is that like, there's probably a little more talent than we would have thought on this team. I'm certainly not, uh, 
a crazy amount. I'm pulling up their recruiting ranking uh, in the Big Ten they, this year. They hit the portal pretty well, too, from yeah. what I remember. Uh, my computer is decided, uh, they're 44th nationally, 10th in the yeah. Big Ten, which considering last year they were 73rd nationally, uh, and the year before they were 88th nationally and 13th and 14th in the Big Ten, those respective years, like step forward. And like this was a going, this is a rebuilding job, and they've done a good job in year one of it. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the West next year or anything like that, but I think they have shown enough to make us go, hey, you know what? These guys might actually end up being competitive sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. Moving on to the Purdue Boilermakers, eight and four, six and three on the year 40th and SP plus 49th offensively, 19th defensively, 118th in special teams. Uh, big news from today. Uh, they're probably I mean, their best player on both sides of the ball, uh, George Karloftis and David Bell, both announced they are heading to the NFL. Uh, because they are Purdue, there were some really weird-looking weird wins in there, but also I w- weird-looking losses in there. Uh, but also they whooped up on Sparty. They whooped up on Iowa. They whooped up on teams they needed to whoop up on. And, like, I I just assume that this is what Purdue is always going to do, and there will be one or two games a year where they just put a whooping on someone that they probably shouldn't. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. This feels pretty much like a Purdue season. I didn't think they were going to be this good, so I guess credit to them for yeah. squeezing eight wins out of this, doing it in, like you said, the strangest way possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, Personally, I would recommend just beating Minnesota and Wisconsin instead of two top five teams, but whatever. Um, I, I think that when you play, the, you know, looking at their schedule, they played at the time 12th ranked Notre Dame, second ranked Iowa, fifth ranked Michigan State, sixth ranked Ohio State, and they went two and two in those games. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's a very produced season, especially given that they they took those games off of the two highest rated teams at the time and those in that batch. Um, yeah, I, I think that's I think you're perfectly happy with that if you're Purdue. I think if Jeff Brom knows what's good for him, he should really, really, really try to get another job so that he doesn't have to keep doing this because this is a this is a bad place to be. You don't want to be at Purdue. Yeah. I don't think if you're a coach you want to be here. But as Purdue as it exists, this is fine. This is a fine season. Yeah, and they're going to be losing some talent uh, next year. David Bell again moving on. George Karloff is moving on. I think Jan- Jackson Anthrop might be. Uh, all eligibility out. Milton Wright, their number two receiver, is a junior. Uh, I believe Aiden O'Connell is going to be back under center. Next, or he is a senior, so uh, I'm not certain there. Uh, they couldn't run the ball to save their. What was that? Impossible to say anymore if someone yeah. is leaving. We have I no s- way of knowing if they're leaving. I-, I see senior next to a guy's name, and I'm like, all right, maybe they're back. I don't know. <laughs> who, who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, good for the kids. Like, you should be able yeah, to sure. – like, like, I I have long been a believer that every college basketball team should be allowed to have one guy who, like, sticks around on an adjunct professor's salary and can do that until they're 35. But sure. whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, they – I was actually surprised that their offense was as low in that 49th and SP+, plus, but I forgot that they could not run the football. Uh, their top – Running back uh, King Daru, 125 carries, 488 yards, 3.9 yards per carry, two touchdowns. His backup, Xander Horvath, 74, 262, 3.5, and 
three. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it's very hard for me to get too wound up about Purdue. I know they're going to knock somebody off every year. I know they're going to uh, lose a weird game to Minnesota where the offense just doesn't work, but whatever. Like, I, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, Oregon head coach Jeff Brom, let's get him there. Sure. <laughs> Moving on to teams uh, that are real weird, Wisconsin, eight and four, six and three. Uh, oh, also forgot to mention, uh, Purdue will be taking on the mighty Tennessee Volunteers in the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Uh, moving on to Wisconsin, eight and four, six and three in Big Ten play, ninth in SP plus. That was the best in the Big Ten West, fifty second, fifty eighth on offense, second on defense, forty fifth on special teams. They're going to be playing in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl against Arizona State. Uh, they are a team, Patrick, that like was fine like I the fact that they were in contention to win the Big Ten West at the end of the year is just like an indictment on the Big Ten West but also you kind of pop the hood on this thing they started one in three but the losses were to Penn State Notre Dame and Michigan all at home so not great but you also kind of throw your hands in the air over that and then they took care of business after that I mean you put Graham Mertz at quarterback you're putting the ceiling on what your team can accomplish you know yeah, I, I think Wisconsin is sort of Big Ten Utah if Utah never found Cameron Rising, um, mm. where they can run the ball pretty well, really well in some instances, especially when they found Braylon Allen. They can play really good on defense. They can play extremely stifling defense. Um, and offensively, they're just sort of leaning on both efficient and explosive rushing attacks to move the ball forward. The difference is that Graham Mertz cannot bail Wisconsin out even a little bit. Yeah. Whereas Cam Rising can. Cam Rising also has three really good tight ends, whereas Wisconsin has half of one. I'm not ready to call Jake Ferguson good. I think a lot of people do that and maybe don't watch him play. Um, he's, he's a tight there. end. Was, he's a tight end in the Big Ten yeah. West. So he has to yeah. Be good. He's he's on the team. He's there. <laughs> he's certainly there. He's got a number and a jersey and everything. Um, I don't know if I'd call him good, but I I think that. This is sort of like the the dark Utah. This is, you know, the team that, that struggles early and then bounces back with a really good defense and finds a quarterback in the process and becomes just this steamroller. Uh, Wisconsin never really became that. It just had the good defense, and then it found a running back enough to roll through the West for the most part until it, for some reason, just didn't against Minnesota. And I don't, I still don't really have much of an answer for why that why that was how it was. Um, if they get even somewhat of a friendly Big Ten East draw, then they, they win the conference, uh, they win the yeah. division rather, and then go get crushed by Michigan. But drawing Penn State, Michigan, and then I guess Rutgers is fine, but Penn State and Michigan in the same cycle is not friendly, especially in the first four games of the season. Um, and I think that that's really the, the defining thing of the season is that they had this really good defense, they wasted it, they kind of got screwed with their schedule, they need yeah. to find a quarterback. I think that's the that's the main thing here. Uh, we will be talking about another team like that when we get to the Big Ten East, pal. Uh, looking at their schedule next year, uh, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, and home against Maryland. So good luck. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. I'm looking at this again. At Northwestern, at Michigan State, at Purdue, at Ohio State, at Iowa. What did Barry Alvarez say to someone years ago that – led to them deserving this when we get to uh when we get to ohio state i'm gonna break down the 2022 schedule with you because i'm t i'll tell you i am thrilled i am pumped up <laughs> oh i i can't and so here's the thing real quick uh patrick 
uh, despite covering the Ohio State Buckeyes. Not a fan. Uh, so yeah. anytime he gets excited to talk Ohio State, I know it's going to make me laugh. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, I mean, Penn State fans saw them earlier this year. Uh, I think if they had Braylon Allen starting over Ches Malu- like Ches okay, but Braylon Allen actually gives them like a, a dangerous running attack. That changes things a little bit, like absolutely nothing in the passing game. Penn State actually was lucky. Leo Chenault did not play in that football game. And for how good Jack Sanborn is, Chanel like changes the complexion of that entire defense. But, you know, it was a, it was still a good season for Wisconsin, a fine season for Wisconsin, I'll say, because Wisconsin is like, when you look in the big 10 West, I think you, they kind of have to win it every year or it's a disappointing season because that's just how the big 10 West shapes out. But, you know, like, it's Wisconsin. I, I, I think the day I am surprised by Wisconsin football is the day that I die. Yep. Moving on to a team that is going to have Tanner Morgan starting at quarterback next year. Oh, did you, did you uh, see that? Did you see that? Tanner Morgan <laughs> is coming back next year. Uh, God, I'm so sick of this kid. Uh, <laughs> he seems like a very nice young man. I will give him that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Minnesota, 8-4, and 6-3 in the year, 20th in SP+, plus, 64th offensively, 11th defensively, 41st in special teams. Started the year off uh, losing to Ohio State. Uh, also picked up Big Ten losses to Illinois and Iowa in there. And then, for some reason, they lost to Bowling Green. Uh, Tanner Morgan threw for 59 yards in that football game. Uh, they are going to be playing in the guaranteed rate bowl against the mighty uh, Mountaineers of West Virginia. Uh, team that was hit really hard in the backfield by its injury bug. Like if was, if Minnesota can't run the football consistently and can't run it well, they're not going to be able to do much. And Mohamed Ibrahim got hurt, and then I think both of the guys behind him got hurt. And yeah, they just they just put too much on Tanner Morgan. And like unless he has two NFL wide receivers, like he did with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, like you're you're beating this football team. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think that this was it's it's weird how good this defense was because it was not good last year. Yeah, uh, I'm impressed that they managed to bounce back so well on defense because that was really the big concern about this team. Of course, now the the big concern next season is uh, Tanner Morgan's your quarterback, and he stinks out loud, and so you're just sort of stuck with this guy because you can't really. It doesn't seem like they want to move on from him, so they're just stuck with him, and it, I'm I'm glad for their sake that it seems like they have four good running backs um which is incredible that they managed to go four deep and I, I still think their running back wasn't like awful at any point it's just that you know three of the four losses here you're looking at 10 points against bowling green six against illinois 22 against iowa which is a pretty impressive showing all things considered against iowa that's just they did not help their defense you know in 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 the last six games of the season, they give up 16, 14, 14, 27, 14, 13, and they lose two of those games. Like That's just too much. That's that's too much to put on your defense in modern college football where like 14 points against Illinois is not good enough to win the game. And that's weird for P.J. Fleck. That's not really how it has been in the past. I think that getting to 8-4 and four, despite the issues they had in the backfield with injuries is – impressive despite the mm-hmm. fact that they didn't really have a good receiver is impressive but also it kind of feels like we know what the ceiling is for this team next year too because i don't know how they're going to get a whole lot better no. especially if the defense isn't this good which it probably won't be because i'm assuming jack gibbons is going to leave um given that he was a one-year transfer and so 
I don't know what the what what is the what is the you know to what end essentially do we do we do this where like maybe the rushing attack gets a little better but Tanner Morgan's still the quarterback defense probably gets worse and then you're looking at eight and four again I just don't know without a transfer quarterback or transfer receivers or something I don't know what the what the takeaway here is just other than like yeah Minnesota wasted time for another year it, yeah it, another season off the clock no they don't have to worry about it for another year and they're very obviously not bringing in a new quarterback if Tanner Morgan is coming back next year. So, Although, I don't know uh, if you saw this, but did you see they have hired a new offensive coordinator? Or might be hiring a new <laughs> offensive coordinator? Isn't it Kirk Shiraka? It's Kirk Shiraka. Rock, uh, <laughs> Rock Nation is back. I mean, listen, we'll, we'll, th- th- this is a conversation we'll have when Penn State fans aren't listening. Uh, in the time that... In his one year under his year as a starter under Kirk Shiraka, 2019, Tanner Morgan, 318 pass attempts, 3,253 yards, 66% completion, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Since then, he has thrown the ball 419 times in two years. That is 101 more times. He has thrown 13 fewer touchdowns, six more interceptions, and 56 more yards. Then in two years where he was the starting quarterback compared to that one year, I, that I mean, again, like God bless that young man. Like that, he was a very good story in 2019. But like, yeah, you mentioned it. With all the issues they had in their running game, they should not have been this good. Their defense stepped up in a huge way. Jack Gibbons, like you mentioned, was quite good at what he did at linebacker, and now he's gone and. I mean, I guess I trust that PJ Fleck can be someone who goes portal shopping and like fixes some stuff. But I, I got gifts. Yeah, uh, but I just don't know if I can trust them to be a team that um, that really competes beyond. You know, it feels like eight and four and six and three is a ceiling for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, last team in the Big Ten West. I'm very upset about this. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa went ten and three. And seven and two with the 32nd, 32 in SP plus, 100th in offense, fourth in defense, fourth in special teams. Their losses were to Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, and then this past week, uh, Michigan thought it would be fun to demolish their entire football program. To, to bounce Brian Ferentz's head off the ground for 60 minutes. So uh, people who listen to this pod know that I don't swear a lot on the pod i do swear a lot in real life so i'm just giving you a little warning uh i'm sick of this shit like i i i'm i'm done with iowa we don't i'm tired of this character we we don't need them like what what purpose does iowa serve in the college football ecosystem outside of they hold the distinction of having the closest like fans to sidelines in the sport yeah, I mean, they annoy us, I guess. That's sort of their big thing that they do is that they just, they're there and they're annoying about it. Um, I <laughs> I really don't know beyond that what the the justification for having these guys in is. I, I think that, like like in the conversation for any meaningful way, I, I don't know why we do it every year. I don't know why in October there was this big push after Iowa completely lucked out to beat Penn, like entirely lucked out to beat Penn they State. They beat Penn State at home by three points because Penn State could not snap the football. Like, yeah. I, I know there's all this, I know like we're supposed to, like I am a big believer in don't punish teams for winning, but like 
We probably should have had a few alarm bells going off when they went, oh, it was a three-point game and Penn State spent a half not snapping the football. Yeah, like, and, and there was a whole conversation about how, like, oh, we should just appreciate Iowa for Iowa. Oh, Iowa can be cool in its own way. There's nothing cool about this. This is a bad thing to do to your defense as a coach. Like, you, If you are Kirk Ferentz and you have done this to your defenders, you are a bad guy. They spent the entire year just going nuts on defense, getting an obscene number of turnovers, a, a, a completely – you cannot replicate it, impossible to to manufacture – they just got lucky, essentially, but also, like, they've got really good defenders, and the way that the offense helped to bookend that was that it threw Spencer Petras out there. It threw just some of the worst designed plays, some of the worst schemes. Um, Tyler Goodson, who for some reason people think is good, that kid stinks too. Their line stinks. There's nothing there on offense, yeah. and it's just such a waste for, for you know Kirk Ferentz to do this every year, for him to employ his son, Brian for years and years to try and do this. And I don't even know how much I blame Brian for this because I do think that this is coming from Kirk. I think that this is what he wants the offense to be. Um, he sh- he sucks. He should be forced into retirement. Like, absolutely, he should be forced into retirement and they should go hire Mark Stoops immediately. There is no, no. reason to continue to be this. That would be, that would be like a very good decision if they did that. At least Mark Stoops doesn't actively hate his own offense. He's just not very good at it. it, it like, I, he doesn't hate it. Yeah. I mean, like, it, there is a level of harm reduction in how Iowa views its offense that, like, would be admirable, I guess, if Iowa's offense wasn't actively harming its football team. Uh, like, sure. I, I, they basically have one play that they can throw at you. That beats you. And that is after Tyler Goodson has run it for 3.1 yards per carry 20 times, you bite on a play action and they go over the top. And if you don't bite on that, they have nothing. Like yeah. they, you know, Sam Laporta is a nice tight end. Like, you know, he's not George Kittle. He's not TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, but like those guys are NFL players. So we'll, we'll be nice to them. Tyler Linderbaum is the best center in the country, but that's it. Like they have absolutely nothing else. And you mentioned it. Like it, it is very easy to make fun of Iowa. Ward knows I do it a lot, but this defense was outstanding this season. I do think if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt, uh, Penn state does act, does, you know, make that defense look a little less good. But if they have Minnesota's offense instead of Iowa's offense, they don't have three losses. They yeah. run the table in the regular season and then probably lose to Michigan. Not probably, also, they lose to Michigan. Just like, man, and, and I know that this is a, you know, he, he's been with Ferentz forever, and so it's going to be hard for him to leave, and his dad coached here. But also, Phil Parker, brother, what are you doing? Why are you yeah. sticking around as the defensive coordinator at Iowa when this is what they do to you? When this is what they do to your boys out there? You have to send your guys out. Look them in the eyes every game and say, "Yeah, we're gonna have to hold them to ten points because that's all the offense can get." Yeah, like I just go somewhere else, man. You don't need this. You can yeah, do it, this anywhere. It, listen, if, if if that man Brent Venables calls, that was a really nice job. Like go yeah. go to go to Oklahoma. If if Dan Landing gets a head coaching job, go there. Like you you yeah. Phil Parker does deserve better than this, uh, objectively. So yeah, I I I don't think. And I think just to kind of wrap up the Big Ten West by talking about Iowa, uh, 
I think what we saw in the conference championship game where they just got run, like run out of the building by Michigan, like the problem is I don't see how this gets better for the West in general, because I was going to probably keep being the team that goes to this football game. Wisconsin will get a year here and there. Again, Northwestern will get its once every four year cycle, but like, I just don't know with what we see from Iowa's offense every year and what we see from Iowa's defense, especially if they don't have an all American punter who can pin the other team inside the five consistently, how there is like anything respectable here going forward. Yeah. I, I really, I don't know. I don't like, like with Minnesota, I don't know what we're playing for here. (laughs) If we're talking about Iowa and I also don't know um, why they continue to like support this and love this. This is like their 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 fans can't get enough of this. It's Stockholm <laughs> syndrome, right? It's Stockholm yeah, like, syndrome. Yeah, like they they were. I I saw um there was a uh, a Michigan fan. I don't know if he's a friend of the show, but Thick Stoskis was posting last week about how he think he thought it was going to be like seventy thirty at the Big Ten championship game in in favor of Michigan, and it ended up being like eighty twenty in favor of Michigan. But Iowa fans mobbed him all week. They're like, don't you know how well Iowa fans travel? And it's like, well, I think it's a safe assumption to think that normal people wouldn't want to watch this or support this. And I think that's still true. Normal people don't want this. Regular people don't want this to happen. It's just Iowa fans. Yeah. I, it's a, it's legitimately interesting. It, it, like I said, it kind of half adjust, but it is like a Stockholm syndrome thing where like Iowa fans are convinced there is literally no other way that they can win football games. And like, you look at that team that was across from you in the big 10 championship game. And like, yeah, Michigan recruits better than you. But, like, there is a team that I don't want to say does exactly what Iowa does, but they want to line up and they want to kick your ass. And they showed that you can win a football game 42-3 to by being able to line up and kick another team's ass. So, whatever. Uh, Iowa, by the way, heading – go ahead. Like, the whole playoff save for Alabama this year, and, you know, Oklahoma State was right on the doorstep, is this is the defense playoff. This is the playoff where you have a bunch of good rushing attacks and – you know, Cincinnati is not quite like that, but like Georgia can't pass the ball a lick. Michigan doesn't really want to. Um, those three with Cincinnati included have really good defenses. Alabama's the lone one that's still doing it how we how it has been done the last couple of years. This should have been the year for Iowa if they had anything going on offense at all. Yeah, yeah. and Patrick, I, I'm going to recommend a few, I did it earlier. I will do it at the end. But uh, his uh, the episode of Flipping the Field from today. They talked about how. Uh, you know, the thing has been RPOs for years and now defenses have kind of figured that out. And it's this year has kind of been a correction. Uh, And it's actually a very interesting observation, which is why Flipping the Field is the best college football podcast that actually talks about college football and not uh, coaching rumors or whatever. Uh, I will do that too. I will say we we get, we, we get bogged down in the coaching stuff. Occasionally you can't, you can't help yourself. It's like junk food. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, isn't it awesome that Jeff Trailer isn't leaving UTSA? This is a big win. This yes. is this this, yes. this is this is far more important than uh, Brian Kelly Irish goodbyeing Notre Dame. Uh, sure. Uh, by the way, Iowa heading to the Citrus Bowl to take on Kentucky. Uh, speaking of Mark Stoops, uh, moving on to the Big Ten East. Uh, the broad thing here for me, Patrick, is that this conference, this division, is very, very like it is legitimately good. Uh, it has, I think. F- I don't want to say what what I'm going to say about Michigan, but I think for the first time in a while, 
there's like an opening for this division to be something other than everyone plays and Ohio State wins. And I think that probably will still end up being the case. But it feels like there's, I don't want to say this inflection point, but it's gotten to the point where like both of the Michigan schools are better. Uh, Penn State, if it's not snake bitten, is good enough to do some things. And it's legitimately, you know, I'm not going to say SEC West level competitive, but it is legitimately a very fun division. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. I think that the bottom three is still awful and not yes. worth watching, but I I do think that the top four is legitimately good to very good in some stretches. Michigan State I think was worse than its record. Penn State was yes. better than its record. Um, Ohio State was worse than its record. Don't don't tell anybody that I said that, but Ohio State was worse than its Ooh. record. Ooh. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think it was a good league. I think it was a good division in general. It's too bad that the West didn't have any teams this year. They just forgot to field any teams. Well, speaking of forgetting to field a team, let's start with the Indiana Hoosiers. 2-10 uh, and 10 on the year, 0-9 in conference play, 101st in SP+, 112th offensively, 17th defensively, 98th on special teams. Their wins were against Idaho and Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky, Kentucky win is pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> in retrospect, how the hell did they beat Western Kentucky? <laughs> it's impossible to say. Uh, but yeah, they they were not. I, whenever you were one of those bottom teams in the Big Ten West, you're always going a uh, Big Ten East. You're always going to be behind the eight ball. Then you add in that they got Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue across the division. Then you add in that they got Cincinnati. Then you add in that their quarterback situation, you know. God bless Michael Penix, but they were way too dependent on him needing to be Michael Penix of the last couple of years. He wasn't. They couldn't run the ball. Their receivers weren't as good as they have been in years past. Their defense, God bless those kids. They tried, just didn't have nearly enough. And now they're staring down the barrel of an offseason where uh, all of our Indiana friends are in this state of like, oh, God, no, this is actually very bad. Things are nowhere near as good as they seemed last season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, I, God, I don't really know what happened here. I really don't. Like, I, Other than just, you know, you can't afford Michael Penix to get hurt, and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, including yeah. Ty Fry not very good, Nick Sheridan being distinctly very bad um not having a second wide receiver to help Ty Ty Fogel not having any sort of rushing attack defense regressing significantly um it was just every single thing that they couldn't afford to happen happened here um and now as as a response to this Tom Allen has gone out and hired Nick Sheridan again at offensive coordinator (laughs) just a a different version of Nick Sheridan just his name is is Walt now yeah, like you, you go out and you get Walt Bell. I mean, this is a this is a disastrous offense, and Walt Bell, Walt Bell, I'm sorry, is not going to fix that. And so it's just like, what is, what are we doing here? You know, and and I really like Tom Allen. I think Tom Allen seems like a seems like a good you know culture fit. Sorry, my cat is losing his mind behind me. If you can hear, <laughs> it is it is okay. My 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 dog is in the midst of losing his mind, so I, it, it is okay. They're trying to talk to each other, but I, I think that, like, you know, I, I like Tom Allen. I wanted this to work. Um, it's going to get really bad here, even worse than it is right now. Yeah. Walt Bell's not fixing it. Defense is not going to not going to make up for all this. Um, Donovan McCulley is is like a you know a pretty deal for Indiana there, to land at quarterback. There's something there. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to be a star, but you can see that like. 
there's something. What that something is, I don't know, but there's definitely something. Yeah, I think he could very well be good, but they just hired Walt Bell. And right. so it's like, what is, what is, what are you doing here? This is like your franchise guy. This is the kid who you were supposed to build your program around moving forward beyond Penix. And now Penix is gone. He didn't have a chance to learn from Penix because Penix was hurt and also the offense sucked, and there, so there was nothing to learn. And now you're hiring a guy to run the exact same offense. I just... It it feels like if you're Donovan McCulley, like, dude, just transfer. Transfer somewhere else right now. Go somewhere else. Go to Notre Dame. Go anywhere else. Just not here because this sucks. What, what they're doing here sucks. It's really bad. Yeah, I mean, they they had the season, like, a, a season that was so lightning in the bottle that I, like, coming into the season, I thought there's just no way they're going to be able to replicate that. But I still thought there was going to be enough here to be, like, a good team, a, a fine team. We'll say a fine team. But at the end of the day, that you know, it just got to be untenable for them. Uh, I, I Their defense, I believe, was pretty badly banged up. I think Taiwan Mullen got hurt in the Penn State game. It might have right. been, yeah, but... You lose yeah, Taiwan you, you Mullen. Can see, yeah. You can see pretty much when the defense gave up, and it's right after the Michigan State game where it, it holds the you know number ten team to twenty points and then loses. Like that's yeah. that's when the defense collapsed. Defense is like, okay, I've I've had enough. Yeah, <laughs> nope. and then Tom and then Tom Allen. What he what well, it was like the most low energy thing that I've ever seen. But he's getting two hundred thousand dollars less a year every year for the next five years or something. Like, did 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 I read that correctly? I wouldn't know. I'm not hugely up on uh, up on on contracts, but that sounds right. I know he was taking a uh, a smaller amount of money, I guess, by a by a small margin. I I remember seeing something like that, and I saw that, and I was like, "Listen, Tom, I know, I know, is Indiana. I know you need to convince them to keep paying you. You are also the, had the single best year that program's ever had." Don't you, you don't have to prove anything to anyone, buddy. But neither here nor there. Indiana's gonna stink again. Uh Rutgers. Rutgers went five and seven. Uh they went uh two and seven in Big Ten play, 85th in SP plus, 109th on offense, 41st on defense, 73rd on special teams, wins over Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware, Illinois, and Indiana. Everyone else uh whooped up on them. Other than Michigan. Michigan uh only beat them by seven points mm-hmm. in the big house. Sure. Uh, the thing with Rutgers was I, I think their defense is a, it's a very veteran laden unit. So it doesn't surprise me that that group was solid. Uh, 41st is a nice, nice rating, rating defensively for them. Uh, but I will never forget for as long as I live sitting at that Penn state game, the one game I went to and watching from where I sat in the hot, high up in Beaver stadium. And Penn State basically saying, we will let you throw the ball whenever you want because we know you cannot run it. And Rutgers, in spite of that, going, no, we're good. Yeah, we'll pass. <laughs> it's... Well, actually, we won't pass, Patrick. Yeah, no, we'll we'll we'll, we'll pass on that opportunity. We'll there, run on that opportunity. Actually, yeah, I mean, it, the entire program, like they have a good offensive coordinator uh, in Sean Gleason. It, it just felt like everything they did on offense was like, we know this doesn't matter. Uh, we're not supposed to be a good football team. Let's just like, I don't know, wait for the Noah the draw era to end. 
Yeah, and I think that this is a really this team is a really good example of what Rutgers wanted from Greg Schiano and what I think he can do in college football and what I think will hold him back. Greg Schiano knows about scheduling wins for Rutgers. They got three easy wins in the non-conference. Syracuse, in retrospect, pretty impressive. But Temple, Syracuse, Delaware, it's not a loaded group. They're local games. It's good for recruiting. That's fine. He knows about that. Those games were scheduled in advance, but he will continue to do this. He knows about hiring coordinators, who I think he can largely trust. I, I like Sean Gleason. The offense, obviously, the results are not good. They need to go get a quarterback. I think that they have one in, uh, um, what is it, Gavin Wimsett is the kid who enrolled early. I would hope that he gets the start next season because no withdrawal is not the answer. Um, and I, I trust that Sean Gleason can make something happen with Gavin Wimsett or with a capable quarterback. Obviously, this year was not that. I even think they have decent defensive coaches. Greg Schiano's issue is that he can't coach a lick even a little bit. He is a terrible football coach. He's a very good CEO. He is not a good football coach. And too often they were leaning on him to be a good football coach, and they couldn't win games when that was required. They got blown out pretty much every single time they needed more of that. And when they were, you know, at a talent disadvantage, and that's just what it's going to be for a little while. And I think that, you know, he can bring in more talent. They can keep getting better. They probably will get to a bowl game next year. The less he is involved, the better. I think if you promote him to a GM status and make Sean Gleason the head coach, you're going eight and four next year. This guy just can't coach football. He just can't do it. He's a, he's a really good hire. He's a good recruiter. He can't coach football. If you're looking for a positive, it's that I think that Rutgers is a job where you need to give the coach a long time to kind yep. of dig yeah, them out. Yeah, they're going to give a wide berth, Yeah, and they will give Shiano as much time as he – like, I would not be surprised if he, when his tenure ends at Rutgers, it is one of those, all right, we don't want to fire you, but hey, isn't it crazy? You can go take a defensive a defensive coordinator job somewhere, or like – you can go do something on Belichick's staff. Wouldn't that be fun? Like it, it, something like that. But yeah, this team is a uh, this this team's got a ways to go. Uh, also in the Big Ten East, uh, the Maryland Terrapins, six and six on the year, three and six in non conference in conference play, sixty eighth SP plus, thirty fourth offensively, eighty sixth defensively, one hundred twenty second in special teams. Uh, their wins: West Virginia, Howard, Illinois, Kent State. Uh, and then they beat Indiana, and they also beat Rutgers. I love this team, and I love this team for the exact for the reason that one of two things happened with them: either one, Talia Tagovailoa kicks ass and they're fun, or Talia Tagovailoa sucks out loud and they're also fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't. I'm not going to tell you that I watched Maryland a ton this year. Looking at their splits is very funny. Because you have in the losses 14, 17, 16, 14, 21, and 18 points. And then in the wins, 30, 62, 20, <laughs> 38, and 40. These boys ran up the score when they had the chance. <laughs> Every bad opponent, they're like, oh, man, we're going in on these fellas. We're, we're going crazy here. Uh, you know, like putting 40 on Rutgers, just very funny, doing that on the road to end the season. Um, Talia is, he's the garbage time quarterback. He is, you know, he's Jalen Hurts. He's hes putting it up in huge numbers at the end of a game when it doesn't matter anymore. Um, he is the overtime era quarterback. I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm thrilled that he's at Maryland, which is our our nation's number one like like clutch points college football program, where it's <laughs> completely insubstantial. Um, he is an Instagram highlight video quarterback. He's perfect. I think he's perfect for Maryland. This is this is a program we talk about alignment with coaches. This is a program that is entirely aligned in that it wants to exist to create Instagram highlights and nothing else. That's all they've got. They're perfect. <laughs> they. Uh... In conference play, they were outscored by 151 points on the season. They were outscored by 62 points. So, yes, you were right. They they, they, they did try uh, to run it up. Uh, I, the, the thing with Maryland is that, like, they're always going to have a few dudes who I like. Like, you mentioned that when it's when Talia is making highlights, he's fun. It, it, it's few and far between. Uh, Rakim Jarrett and Dante Demas are a nice wide receiver duo. Demas ended up getting hurt in that disaster class that they had against Iowa. Uh, Nick Cross is a good defensive back. I think Jordan Mosley has a little bit of uh, nasty to him. But for the most part, once you get out from the like five good football players that Maryland has, it is just a disaster. And that's why I appreciate them. And that's why I love them. And Maryland's book, yeah. This team is. Do you remember Luther Muhammad? That name rings a bell. He played basketball at Ohio State. You would probably yes, know yes, him. yes, 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 yes. You yes. probably know him as well from the video where in high school Colin Sexton turns and stares at a guy at the yeah. free throw line. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was Luther Muhammad who he was staring at. Um, Luther Muhammad. I wrote a story about when he was coming to Ohio State about how. He was the sort of Ohio State's first, first like viral high school recruit, you know, like the guy who got yeah. talked about on those pages. And I wrote that because he wasn't any good, but he was well known. Yeah. And that's Maryland football. They're not any good, but you know about them. And that's all they right. really want. Right. They they literally have the brother of the best quarter college quarterback that I've ever seen. And if you can't take solace in that, what exactly can you take solace in? That's Mike Loxley's whole job. You're going to know about it. <laughs> uh, God, speaking of teams that want you to know about them, I suppose it's time we move on uh, to the Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State went 7-5 and five this season, 4-5 and five in conference. Oh, wait, uh, I forgot to mention, Maryland uh, did indeed, uh, against all odds, uh, despite uh, – Anything that the Lord views as holy in his eyes made it to a bowl game. They're going to the pinstripe bowl against Brent Pry and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, Penn State, 7-5 and five in the year, 4-5 and five in conference play, 16th in SP+, 69th offensively, 6th defensively, 29th in special teams, wins over Wisconsin, Ball State, Auburn, Villanova, Indiana, and then file not found. Uh, then they beat Maryland and Rutgers. Um, we're going to talk about Penn State on uh, our recap pods as we – do because we're a Penn State podcast. But my entire thesis of this Penn State team, Patrick, is that at the very top, they're as good as anyone, but the margins are just so thin with them because they don't have any depth and they have been in just like a constant state of turmoil for the last couple of years that the second something goes wrong, uh, they they kind of wilt. And that seven and five record and four and five in conference play is not reflective of how good they are. Three point loss to Iowa, two to uh, Illinois, nine to Ohio State, four to Michigan, three to Michigan State. But it's also what they have. So you kind of got to throw your hands up in the air and go, eh, oh, well, that's the season. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a team that was both, it managed to be pulled down by that lack of depth and, you know, lifted up by 
superstars like Jahan Dotson is a is a superstar I don't imagine that's an unpopular opinion around these parts but like that kid's a monster he's really really good and the whole offense was pretty much just him when he was on the field and that's fine Parker Washington really good the defense had some guys who I really like I don't want to mess up his last name but Arnold is it Ebikiti Ebikiti yeah that kid rocks he's really good and and like you know, having those guys, Jaquan Brisker obviously is 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 outstanding at safety, and I like Jair Brown, but it's just it, those guys were not enough to make up for the fact that like, you know, when when Sean Clifford wasn't in the game, you couldn't snap the ball, or like there's not a single running back on the team, or the offensive line kind of hasn't developed ever, uh, even a little bit in yeah. <laughs> in what feels like years. And that's what you need to win in the Big Ten, I think, consistently. And and just having those star players is not enough to make up for the fact that like you can't you can't block Ohio State or Michigan or, you know, even like Michigan State. It's just it's gonna come down to those margins and that's the kind of margin that you cannot afford to be weak in in this conference. Yeah, and it's uh it's frustrating. It's something that um, you know, I, I, I legitimately do think that there are about a million reasons to be optimistic. I, I truly do. And this is, you know, kind of my blue and white colored glasses, but like you and I have watched Drew Hour play football. Uh, they have, they've been waiting for the guy for so long and they didn't just get the guy. They got the best guy that they could have potentially gotten. And like, they have so much skill position talent. They have talent on defense. They're going to have to make some defensive hires that I'm sure we'll talk about on the pod going forward. But like, I think despite the fact that the last few years haven't been particularly great for Penn State, they should, 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 should be a really dangerous team moving forward. The kind of team that ha- I do think has the potential to challenge to win Big Ten crowns. And now it's just a matter of like, all right, you have stuff here to be that team. Are you going to end up turning into that football team? Sure. Yeah. All right. Michigan State, 10 and 2. Uh, Penn State is, uh, of course, as everyone who listens to this project, if you don't know this, and I'm telling you about it for the first time, God bless you, uh, Outback Bowl against Arkansas. Uh, Michigan State, 10-2, and uh, 7-2 in Big Ten play, 35th in SP, plus 27th on offense, 38th defensively, 115th in special teams. Uh, ripped off a whole bunch of wins to start the season, then got Purdued, and then, oh my God, so much blood against Ohio State. Can you believe this? Um, they are going to be playing Pitt in the – Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, you and I, Patrick, are predicting a bloodbath that Pitt wins by lots and lots of points because Michigan State, despite having Mel Tucker as their coach, doesn't believe in stopping teams from passing. But having said just that... Doesn't do it. <laughs> just not even a little. Having said that, like I think their defensive front is solid. I, you know, Kenneth Walker is a good running back. Peyton Thorne is you know, able to do things in the passing game. Like I think this is... A solid football team. I think it's a football team that might be built on something that might not be particularly sustainable. And I'm sure we could talk about that a bit. But at the same time, they went 10 and 2 and 7 and 2 in conference playing. You can't take that away from them. So I think I'm, I'm going to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to be overly mean to a team that went 10 and 2. And like we said, is you know that's good. They're they're going to a, a pretty major bowl game. It's a what? It's a it's a New Year's Six game, isn't it? Peach Bowl. Um, they're play, playing mm-hmm. a conference champion. That's they beat Michigan. That's all great. I don't I don't want to put them down. They've got a, a a running back that you know if he I don't know if he was a Heisman finalist, but he certainly should have been. Very good player. They they uh, they, they actually just announced the Heisman finalist a moment ago. 
they are uh, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson, and the local quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that like he certainly should have been up there. The Ohio State game was not generous to him, and injuries kind of faded him down the stretch. But I think that a lot of what they did here, what they did with the transfer portal was legitimately very cool, and I, I would like to credit them for that. However... This is a Mickey Mouse football team. This is not a real thing. This is this is fake. This is not sustainable. This is not going to happen again. Um, they have one good receiver. Their quarterback was sort of pieced together with string all year. Their defense stinks outright. The defense is not good. Um, they have one safety, and they don't really get to the quarterback especially well, and they have no linebackers, and this is a Mickey Mouse program. There's nothing going on here. Mel Tucker should have gone to LSU. Um, I don't <laughs> think they can do this again. I'm going to tell you. I don't think they can do it again. Well, here's the thing. Like, my guess is you will agree with the statement that you can be the transfer portal. Like, you can have success being the transfer portal team. You can't – like, I don't think you're ever going to win a national championship. I don't know if you're ever going to win the Big Ten being a transfer portal team. But if you have a year where the transfer portal is not kind to you, you are winning four football games. And that's when, like – you know, I, I think there's been a lot of talk about paradigm shifts in the Big Ten and is like tipping the balance of power. And I think Michigan State, if they really bear down in recruiting and they get big recruiting wins over Michigan and they maybe maybe swipe a kid from under Penn State and Ohio State's nose, like they can start to build something here. But like if you had to ask me if they are more likely to win 10 games at any time in the next two years or seven win games in both of them, I'd put my money on seven games very easily. Yeah. And I, I think that it is just like, you just pulled 20 kids from the transfer portal and more likely than not, if you want to do that again, it won't work that well. Like it just, that's a hard thing to do. And unless you are, unless Mel Tucker really just is like the most transfer portal literate coach on earth, which is, maybe he is i don't know it's possible we don't know yet it's it's very much possible but also like that's 20 guys who you were putting onto your team out of nowhere you don't know these guys they don't know your system you're installing them in the spring and you're hoping for the best and i think michigan state got very very lucky in some cases made some of its own look in other cases but I don't think you can do this sustainably. And I think that 20 is too many. I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can build off of this right away. Maybe you can have a year like this every couple of years, but I don't think you can just replace 20 and they're not all leaving, but I don't think you can just replace 20 transfers with 20 more transfers and assume that it's going to click quite the same. Like I'm assuming Kenneth Walker's not coming back. They're probably going to lose at least one of those receivers. A good portion of the defense either stinks or isn't going to be here. And so it's like you got to go do it again. And a lot of those guys quietly didn't really work all that well. Like Chester Cambrough stinks. Um, Quiveris Crouch was fine at linebacker, but like they were without any cornerbacks at all. Even the guy that they pulled from Alabama wasn't any good. You know, like they just it, – it, it really feels like a lot of this was covered by, you know, Kenneth Walker being as good as he was and the fact that they – won a lot of really close games that they probably could have lost, like the Indiana game, like the Nebraska game, you know, like the the Michigan game. Certainly, I think they should have lost that game. And so well, Mi- looking- Mich- Michigan whooped them up and down the field and they just took advantage of opportunities. Yeah. And so you're looking at even if we're being just generous here, Nebraska doesn't shank a punt and then not cover it. And Michigan gets the correct call on that that, you know, the fumble return for a touchdown. 
um, we're looking at an eight and four team, and I think that that's much more reflective of what's going on here. And then, and, you know, you don't, that's even before you get into like beating Indiana by five or Penn State by three. I, I don't think that this is a 10 and two team in a, in a quality way. I do still yeah. think it's like good for them for, for doing it. Somebody had to, and they, they did it, and that's fine. Yeah. And like, I definitely think there was this like spirit of, belief and toughness and those sorts of things that this team had but like it's very easy to have that when you know you get off to the start that they have and you're able to pump yourself up a bit and all those sorts of things like uh, again I don't want to take too much away from them but if I had to put money on which of the teams that won double digit games in the Big Ten this year Iowa Michigan State Ohio State Michigan is going to win six games next year they're the ones i'd put it on most likely although they will be better than iowa because iowa sucks uh let's talk about the local team uh the Mm. 10 and 2 world famous ohio state buckeyes uh eight and one in conference play uh you might have watched that one it was something uh second in sp plus first offensively 17th defensively second in special teams pat uh they're gonna play uh utah and the rose bowl and uh (laughs) I, I like I feel my heart rate pumping as I talk about Utah, Ohio State, and the Rose Bowl because that game is going to be real funny. Um, I'm just going to roll the ball out here. You say whatever the hell you want and take as much time as you want. So you might have just heard that was me cracking my knuckles here as I as I tear into the local <laughs> team. Um, so 2021 Ohio State is God. Am I ready to say this officially? It's 2003 Miami. It's it's wow. these guys are. So- these right, guys so are real, real quick, soft. real quick. I, I want to say something real quick. Patrick yeah. is about to make a comparison between this Ohio State team and that Miami team. The words Ryan Day might be Larry Coker might pop huh. up. And I want everyone to know this. It is important that you know this, that this summer before the season, Patrick mm-hmm. and I went to a Columbus crew game. And after it, he said, hey, Ryan Day might be Larry Coker, and this might be the 2003 Miami Hurricanes. Please continue. <laughs> I also wrote an entire story about it during the season, uh, or uh, before the season, rather. <laughs> it was a very funny time to do that. Um, these guys were soft. They were soft all year. Then they played two teams that could exploit it, and both of them did. Um, Oregon its approach to Ohio state was, I don't think these guys can play with us in the trenches. We're just going to run right at them and assume that that'll work. And it did. Michigan said the exact same thing. And then after the game, Michigan coach, Michigan's coaches said like, yeah, I don't know why more teams didn't try to do that. These guys have nothing in the middle of their defense. There's nothing there. They can't block because they have four offensive tackles and there's nothing in the middle of their defense. Like I'm not, I want people to know I'm not firing from the hip here. I've, I've written about and covered this team every day for the last, three years of my life uh, um they stink <laughs> they stink in ways that are structural they stink in ways that are significant and that will take time to recover from that are a, a direct result of hiring a quarterback's coach as their head coach and maybe he learns maybe he goes out and gets better maybe he adjusts on the fly maybe he hires a real de- defensive coordinator this year but this season was marred by the fact that Ryan Day didn't know anybody else. And so he went out and hired a bunch of Urban Meyer retreads who were retreads for a reason. And the result was a, a soft team, a poorly coached team, and a team that looked a lot like it was run by someone who defines himself as being a player's coach immediately after they had a horrible disciplinarian, right? Like they looked like they had just taken the, you know, they had gotten the weight vest off and then they forgot to ever put it back on. And so they were just sort of, 
they were just sort of there. <laughs> and they were talented enough to roll over 10 of the teams that they played. And they, they had a, a stretch in the middle of the season where they looked really good. And then they had a, a quick two-game burst at the end of the season where they looked really good. And outside of that, they looked they looked soft. They looked not very good. against. Like They almost lost to Tulsa. Final score doesn't say it. They almost lost to Tulsa. If... Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim doesn't get hurt. I think they lose to Minnesota. They did lose to Oregon. Uh, you know, the the Penn State and, and uh, Nebraska games are what they are. They didn't look good in either of those games. And then they get stomped into the ground by Michigan. I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to get stomped into the ground by Utah. They, they're they the most talented team in the league. They're one of the most talented teams in the country, and that's going to take you a long way. They thought they could roll the ball out to midfield, and they would win the game. That was their approach all season. Mm-hmm. And in 10 games, it worked. It worked sometimes to a lesser extent because they played opponents that weren't as afraid of them as others were. But when they played Michigan, when they played Oregon, two teams that you know felt that they had at least similar enough talent to compete and that felt that they could game plan around a very, around a very obvious weakness, Ohio State had no answer. Ohio State got punched in the mouth and it fell down and that was it. And there was no ability to go get back up. There was no ability to strike back. This was a team that depended on you losing before you entered the game. And like 2003 Miami, there was one or two games where the other team didn't do that. And that was it. That was the end of the game. And I think in 2003, it was Virginia Tech that did that. I I, I think that the Michigan game, I think the Oregon game can be painted very similarly as Ohio State did not have an answer when it was punched in the mouth. Just didn't full on. And and. I think that that is going to be a huge, huge deal for Ryan Day this offseason to find if he can reinstill that toughness. We're going to know really quickly. I think the I don't think the Utah game is going to tell us a whole lot because I'm pretty confident in the outcome there. But next season, and I, I teased this Let's earlier. Let's do it. So next season, Ohio State has on its schedule, I'm just going to read off the ones that I think are significant here, and I want you to keep in the front of your mind the games that Ohio State lost this season and the ways that it did it, right? Running teams, power teams, teams that want to sort of grind you out and win with defense and then, you know, make you guard them and make you beat them in the trenches. Ohio State next season hosts Notre Dame, goes to back to back Michigan State and Penn State, both on the road, as I as I alluded to, gets Iowa at home, goes to Northwestern, gets Wisconsin at home and gets Michigan at home. That's seven of the exact same team. That is seven of that team that want to do that exact thing to you. And so Ohio State's not going to like there there's not going to be next year where we don't get to see what it looks like against a team that wants to do that. All seven of those teams are going to try to do that to Ohio State in the same way that in 2018, everybody realized that you could just run RPOs on Ohio State and they didn't have an answer for them. And so everybody just did that. Every team on the schedule next year is going to try and grind Ohio State into a fine paste by by running at it. And Ohio State is going to, in at least seven of those games, actually have to prove that it can stop it. Um, I was talking about this in the office earlier today. I kind of think Ohio State might go like eight and four next season. I I really – they're not going to have the star receivers outside of Jackson Smith and Jig, but their receivers will still be really good. C.J. Stroud will still be good. Yeah, They're not going to have the offensive line, <laughs> even that they have this year, and that is bad. That's bad news. The defense is still not going to be very good. I – I don't know what the path out here is for for Ryan Day, and I know that this is uh, alarmist relative to Ohio State expectations, but I also think this guy's just not a very good coach. I think he's just not head coach material, at least not in his in his current state. 
Yeah, I mean, what one thing that, and thank you for all that, because I like, in addition to like, you know, it's just funny. It, it, it's weird to hear people talk about Ohio State that way because Ohio State, for so for however many years it has been, the ball is put on the field and they win, and then they play Alabama or Clemson, neither here nor there. But and I they lose. <laughs> yeah, and and then they lose because it's the one team that one or two team that like can go man to man talent wise with them right it's never that ohio state is just like it's never that anything other than like once they run into the teams with the talent that they have it's over it just seemed to me like this ohio state team like the comparison that i'm going to make and it's a little bit different was that 2014 i believe it was florida state team the second year with Janus. Uh, They had won the national title the year before. And like every single thing that they did, like there would be the flashes where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. But then they would play those really weird games where it was just like, why can't they get out of this one year? Like what is wrong with them? And it just always stemmed from the fact that they thought they should win because they were the team that always wins. And we saw in the Michigan game, Ohio State can't, deal with that we saw in the Oregon game Ohio State can't deal with that and like you said I think in the Utah game Ohio State's not going to be able to deal with that I do think that like they are a program that's just always going to be under a mega microscope because they're Ohio State they have better players and more money than anyone else in the Big Ten but I also think we're coming up on a point where like you mentioned it and I want to hat tip our pal Bill Landis at The Athletic Ohio State has four defensive coaches and seven offensive coaches. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a team that is basically built around, we are going to go out there and be this beautiful, luxurious sports car, and the second that it starts snowing, our tires, like, spin out. And I'm just fascinated. I'm just fascinated in what this team looks like in two years because it does seem like, they need to just kind of reorient things. I mean, you mentioned the defensive coordinator thing. Uh, can you just like real quick for the fine folks at home, explain what you mean by Ohio state needs to get a real defensive coordinator in there because they, they let the indomitable Alex Boop on your Grinch go to Oklahoma and now USC. Um, so Ohio state last season in, in before last season in the off season, in trying to replace Jeff Halfley, who is a defensive coordinator and was a very good one at Ohio State, Ohio State tabbed Kerry Combs, who had been the cornerbacks coach under Urban Meyer, left <laughs> because he didn't like working for Urban Meyer, and then came back because Ryan Day was there. Uh, they tabbed him as the defensive coordinator. He, for reference, has never coached a defense in his entire life, like an entire one. Uh, he was a high school coach. That's that's about as close as you're going to get to him being in that sort of position. He coached cornerbacks for the Titans under Mike Vrabel. He, he uh, I mean, that's his experience. He is a recruiting coordinator. That was kind of what he did under, under Urban Meyer. He's a pretty good cornerback developer, I would say, in general. He is not a defensive coordinator. Last season, the defense stunk. Ohio State chalked it up to the shortened season. This season, the defense stunk. Kerry Combs was demoted after the second week of the season. They put Matt Barnes in charge of calling the defense. He also really isn't especially good and and wasn't really qualified for the position. Uh, um, And they just had these sort of structural weaknesses. They've had several recruiting classes now where there's just really not much in the way of star power on defense. 
and the star power that they do have on defense, they don't really play <laughs> like as much as they probably should. Like, I think Tyleek Williams is a is a name that people are going to know in the coming you know years, and and I Ohio State's going to hope that it's there. I'm not entirely convinced about that after how they treated him this season he's a true freshman defensive tackle he was the best defensive lineman on the team and he played like 150 snaps um because he's a freshman and so they didn't want to overuse him and it was a lot of that it's a lot of like this guy's starting because he's a senior and that's what you do here at ohio state is you start seniors and you know sort of stubbornness around moving away from older guys. Seven Banks was starting until the second to last week of the season. That guy can't play a lick. He, he it's just is things like that and structural issues within how the defense is, is is situated within, you know, Ryan Day wants them to be four down with a single high. That's that's something that he has said for years now. He's an offensive coach. Seems like maybe not his business in the first place. But things that he has set and things that his hires have set in the way that the team operates that just lead to these weird little, like, I don't know if it's flashes in the pan, just like signs of, of, you know, slipping signs of crackage signs of like, you know, things aren't necessarily going great here at the core where the talent is still. And this seems to be kind of the story of the East in general, outside of the actual winner of it, which I think is very funny um, is you have a bunch of these teams who like, like Ohio state has the most, supreme high-end talent ohio state to its core at its core at its depth was not especially impressive this season ohio state had maybe two linebackers one of them was good ohio state had one cornerback who i really like ohio state had one or two defensive linemen maybe three all of them freshmen who i like offensive line was really without much of anything the wide receivers are obviously really good cj stroud is good i'm not going to say really good he's good uh the the offense is what it is but i think the you know sports car in the winter is a is a good comparison it, it's it's very funny as well because I, I don't know if you saw yesterday but one of the official not official but unofficial mouthpieces of the program was talking about how uh ohio he would like to see ohio state he would have liked to see ohio state play michigan in in a uh in a neutral in a uh, on a neutral site out of the weather in it, you know, assuming in Indianapolis in Lucas Oil, which is just very funny because Ohio State's in Ohio. <laughs> and all, and also, uh, do you, I, I you live here in Columbus, and I live here in Columbus. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember uh, waking up uh, on the morning of uh, what was it uh, September September like 12th or 11th or whatever the hell it was. I remember waking up that morning and I, I had to go out and shovel six feet of snow. Like it was yep. nasty. Just the worst weather you can imagine uh, when Oregon came here. It was a, uh, it, it was really just disgusting, like 75 and not a cloud in the sky. I mean, it was, I, I, I would like to see Ohio state play them in Lucas oil stadium. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, like this is it's a very funny thing to say about Ohio State that they can't play in weather. They can't. <laughs> like they can't play in weather. But it's very funny that Ryan Day has managed to build a southeastern conference program at Ohio State, but he's only picked the bad things about it. <laughs> like he's just he's picked it he's picking and choosing, like, oh, I wanna have a bunch of, you know, uh, sort of nepotism or nepotism adjacent hires. I want to have a bunch of talent that we don't really manage all that well. I want to have weird commitments to scheme that I don't really flesh out or understand, just that I know I have. And I don't want to be able to play even a little bit if it goes bef- if it goes below 60 degrees. Um, and that's Ohio State football. 
Well, listen, I mean, not all the bad things. He doesn't have Stetson Bennett at quarterback, so at least he has that going Not yet. Be careful not, what you not. I Listen, I, I, I think Kyle McCord is good. Uh, moving on to uh, the victors of the Big Ten. Uh, the 10 and 2. Uh, no, sorry, 10 and 1. Or 12 and 1. Well, I, I got something. I, I copied something from ESPN. That was weird. Uh, the 12 and 1 Michigan Wolverines, 8 and 1 in Big Ten play, fourth in SP plus, 16th offensively, 7th defensively, third in special teams. I think the thing that was so impressive about this Michigan team, Patrick, was that I don't think, I'll, I'll say offensively, because defensively, like, they weren't doing Don Brown murder ball. Woo, we're going to blitz every down. Woo. That just does not work when you don't have the level of talent that you need to have. What was so impressive to me about this Michigan team was offensively, it wasn't like they were going out there and doing anything crazier that you don't expect. Like they ran the ball with three, two very good running backs, a third running back who's going to be very good. They didn't ask their quarterback to have to do a whole lot. Their receivers were fine. Their offensive line is like, okay. I mean, it's not as good as you would think. And despite that, like they were, they just did it better than they've done it any other time under Jim Harbaugh. And as a result, they won the big 10. Yeah, I, I think you're pretty much spot on there. Like, I really like Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. I, I like, I, I would say I love the offensive line and the way that they run block, but also there was nothing like spectacular about this offense or really about anything that they were doing. They were just really good at, at, at pretty much everything that they wanted to do. You know, Cade McNamara took care of the football. The receivers were fine. I think Eric All is pretty good at tight end. I think that they, they block really well at tight end specifically. They block really well everywhere, mm-hmm. and the defense had enough guys to, to you know, make a a I don't know if more conservative is the right word because I do think that you can be aggressive without blitzing on every down, right. but to make a different scheme work. Like Aiden Hutchinson, and David Ojabo, those guys are really good. And they, I don't think you, I need when, to say that. when David Ojabo is able to like when he gets off the line right away. There is nothing you can do because one of two things are happening. Either one, he's getting to your quarterback or two, he's getting to a place where the only thing your quarterback can do is take one step up in the pocket. And then Aiden Hutchinson is just waiting there to kill him. Yeah, like they're they're just really good. They're really, really soundly built. I think that this is pretty much the ideal Jim Harbaugh team. I think he got almost exactly what he wanted here. And they are, if we're being honest, a, a like we talked about earlier, a missed call away from being unbeaten and being the top seed, and I, I think that's well-deserved. I think they're really, really good. I think it's a very good football team. I don't know what they're going to do against Georgia. I think they absolutely have a chance to win that game. They are good. They're full-on good. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, I think the interesting thing with Georgia is, like, the team that score, the team that is able to get a little bit of daylight first, the team that is able to go two possessions up first wins that football game, I think. Because, like, if you get to a point where the two options are Cade McNamara has to win the football game for them or Stetson Bennett has to win the football game for them, like, you're toast. You're done. Like, you, you have no yeah. chance of winning that football game. But I, I think I feel a little bit more, not a little bit, I feel a lot more confident in Cade McNamara not crapping into his hand and smearing it all over the field in Stetson Bennett. So at least there's that. Uh, the, the one question that I want to ask, because I saw a lot of this in the aftermath of the Ohio State game, it was a lot of, is this a changing of the guard? Is it this? Is it that? And my general stance is, you can beat a team one time. 
Yep. Penn State beat Ohio State once in 2016 and then won the Big Ten and hasn't beaten Ohio State or won the Big Ten since. Michigan State beat Ohio State in, what was it, 2014 or 15, whatever it was, the offensive coordinator Ezekiel Elliott year. They won mm-hmm. that. They won, went to the they went to the Big Ten championship game, won it, and haven't done that since. They went to the playoff, too, and it didn't go yes. well. <laughs> it went poorly. Uh, it turns out playing Alabama is not a good time a lot of the time. But our, our, our Bearcats are going to are going to take it to them. So neither here nor there. Uh, do you think that we're in the midst of a bit of a changing of the guard here and Michigan is positioning itself to kind of take that big dog status from Ohio State? Because I think probably not. If I had to put money on it, probably not, because it just takes such a confluence of events to do it over a long enough period of time. But I also don't like Michigan football. So like, I, I want to make sure I'm not being biased here. I'm going to tell you what I told Ace and Bender of the bucket problem a couple weeks ago when I talked to him about this. Uh, beat them in Columbus. I think Michigan beats Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. I'll start, to, I'll start to, to lend some more credence to that. I'll start to believe that. But until then, um, like you said, you can win one game. It's uh, Do it multiple times. Do it in Columbus. Do it against C.J. Stroud again. Do it against Ryan Day again. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll, start, to, I'll start to buy into it. But um, – if that happens, you're gonna to have to do it against a new head coach after that, and and even then, I don't I don't know if I'm <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to say it quite yet. Uh, so do it in Columbus, and then we will see. But for for right now, the answer is not even just we'll see. Yeah. It's do it in Columbus, and then we'll talk. Yeah, uh, it, and the funny thing is, Ohio State got really lucky, and their head coach is uh, st- still waiting for that phone call from them. So mm-hmm. uh, at least they got that wait, going for folks. I don't think he's going to be waiting very long. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> relative to relative to the the grand, uh, you know, the the grand scope of things, I don't think he's going to be waiting all that long. Yep, Ohio State has at most one more year to figure out if they ever want Luke Fickle to be their football coach, or figure out if they want Luke Fickle to be their football coach anytime soon. But oh, unless you mean you think he's going to like get a job. Oh, Oregon head coach, Luke Fickle, let's go. You want, you want to talk about a terrible cultural thing. How about the Trestle disciple going to like the drift school? Turning down Notre Dame so that you, or so that you can go to Oregon. <laughs> Hell yeah. He just really likes Nike and it, they're uh, Notre Dame's Under Armour, right? Um, yes, I think so. That sounds Dis- right. Disgraceful. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think as a whole, it was a, it was a fun year in, it, it was a fun year in the big 10, as long as you ignored the big 10 West and then also Indiana and Rutgers and most of Maryland and some of Penn state. So it was a fun big 10. If you look at just three teams and in a lot of years, they don't always have that. So at least we have that. Uh, any, any final big 10 thoughts or just a, a general, general college football things you would like to toss out there, Patrick, before we uh, wrap this up, this edition of the pot up. Uh, Cincinnati's going to win the national championship. Let's that's it. Go. I, that's that's I, the I, last of my. Yeah, Cincinnati's going to win the championship. I, I, I we, we will surely have this conversation in person sometime in the next couple of weeks. But is that a thing that you like truly, earnestly believe, or is that something that like you're just like our Indiana friends who talk themselves into Indiana making the Rose Bowl, and at a certain point, you've said it so many times that you believe the prophecy is going to come to reality. No, I actually believe this one. I, wa- I watched yeah. all four teams play this weekend. I think Cincinnati is the best of the four. I just, I think they're really good. I think they're the, I, best. I, I think they're the one with the least weaknesses. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of, I, I think I agree, but we will uh, certainly uh, 
watch as this all plays out and hopefully as uh, Luke Fickle's mighty since the Jim Trestle disciple takes down uh, Nick Saban. That would be that'd be very funny. Uh, Patrick, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn on Twitter. Uh, I write for Buckeye Sports Bulletin as well as for the Outside Zone newsletter, which is available on Substack uh, three times a week for $5 a month. It's the G5 football newsletter. Uh, it's been a big week for me, as you can imagine, over at the Outside Zone. <laughs> um, I'm also on the Buckeye Sports Bulletin podcast with my buddy Wyatt Crozier and – uh, more likely, if you were listening to this, the one that you'd be interested in is Flipping the Field, which I host with Ryan Donnelly, who is also, um, as is, <laughs> I can't say as is Wyatt because he's not, but Ryan is a deranged Ohio State fan, and I sort of host as a as a moderator of sorts for his thoughts about uh, college football at large. It is about all of college football, but he often finds himself in the Ohio State gully, and I will indulge him. And so if you're into this sort of nihilism about what's happening to Ryan Day, I think that you would enjoy the show. Or just if you like college football talk, which we have a lot of, and um, I think we do a pretty good job of it. It's it's sort of, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's not like any of the other national college football podcasts, and you can yes. take from that what you may. Uh, but we are on the we are on the uh, on the Twitter there at uh, at Field Flipping as well. If you're interested in that, yes, and I'm going to recommend you go and uh, listen to their post Michigan show because it it was actually like legitimately a very good episode. Uh, And Patrick and Ryan did a really good job diving into some of the like deeper seated issues at Ohio state. But they also did that while Patrick, well, not Patrick, uh, while Ryan was losing his mind and it was, uh, it it was a very good podcast. Uh, But yeah, that's it for this edition of the pod went a little long, but we had a lot to talk about. We thank you everyone for listening to the decision of war Lions radio as always make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, wherever you go and get your podcast. If you go to Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to buy some shirts and make sure you're following us on all the blogs, various social media channels. One last time. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.